Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Porter Gals presents Terrifying Tales. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're the Polter Gals. Spooky. <laughs> Christmas Ghost Story. Written by Nick DiMarantino. Published in 2022 by Northwest Corner Books. Chapter 13. The Love That Wasn't There. In Aunt Jo's room. Other than an occasional sputtering, the lights managed to stay on. Gina didn't need much light, just enough to slide the corners of the fitted sheet around the ends of the mattress, enough to flap out a sheet and a comforter and a pillowcase to make an emergency bed for her aunt. Nana had died here. That thought came back to her again and again. She had chosen to die rather than leave her house. How she longed to have Aaron's arms around her right now. She tried not to think about Aaron. If she let herself think about him, she'd crack. How could he possibly be gone this long? She had peered out of every window, searching for any clue. She forced herself to forget those footprints disappearing into the snow. She forced herself to think about the bed in front of her, about tucking in the blankets, about plumping the pillows. She could hear heavy footsteps approaching. A floppy, boneless Aunt Jo appeared in the doorway, propped up on one side by Grandpa, on the other side by Uncle Tony. They guided her into the bedroom, lowered her onto the bed. She scarcely seemed to know where she was. Gina unbuttoned her collar and tried to make her comfortable. Aunt Jo's heart was thudding wildly. The family hovered around the bedside and in the doorway. Suddenly, the snowfall scene the least of their problems. They realized they might very well be sharing a house with death that Christmas. Gina leaned over her, concerned and attentive. Aunt Jo, what happened? The older woman seemed willing to tell her if only her mouth and lips would obey. Meaningless sounds were all she could produce. Don't worry, Aunt Jo, she said. Dad's gone to phone for the doctor. We'll get someone here to take care of you. Gina heard the front door slam, then her father's footsteps mounting the stairs. His cheeks were flushed red, his parka edged with snow. No one's home, he said. I tried to get to the neighbors across the street and almost got lost out there. The snow is coming down so hard, you can't see where you're going. His words caused Gina to shiver of pure terror. I've never heard of it snowing like this in Seattle, she said. I don't suppose you happen to see any sign of Aaron? Couldn't see much of anything. He turned toward the bed. How is she? She's doing fine, said Gloria. No need for a doctor. She's just very scared. She wasn't the only one. All the faces around Aunt Jo's bed were scared. In a lower voice, Gloria added, and a little drunk. She'll feel better after a rest. 
Gina fought down her fears. Aaron would be all right. She looked across the bed into the frightened eyes of her younger sister. Rachel's lower lip was trembling. What do you think happened to Aunt Jo? said Rachel. She had too much to drink, that's all. Then why did she scream? Lou was trying very hard not to ask himself that same question. You never know, Rachel. Older ladies do some pretty crazy things sometimes. Something scared her, said Rachel. She was remembering her own experience trapped on the back porch. This house is scary. Now, now, said Lou, it's just an old house. Old houses creak and groan, and that's all there is to it. No, Grandpa, she's right, said Gina. Sometimes you hear things in this house. You see things, not just Rachel. It's happened to me too, and to Aaron, and Uncle Tony. Now that I know Nana died here, well, you can't help but think that in some way, maybe, Nana could be, you know, still here. I don't believe I heard that, said Sam. Four years of college, and you still believe in ghosts? She may be closer to the truth than you think, said Uncle Tony. There's something seriously wrong in this house. Now, don't start filling my kids with your crazy... It's almost like Nana never left, persisted Uncle Tony. You're talking nonsense, said Gloria to her son. You know perfectly well, Aunt Jo moaned faintly, interrupting them. She had something she urgently wanted to say. She tried very hard to say it. She managed to blow a thin saliva bubble. Please don't die, Aunt Jo, said Rachel. She isn't going to die, said Grandma. It takes more than wine to kill someone as tough as Aunt Jo. Responding to her name, the old woman tried again to speak. Her lips opened and shut like a fish out of water. All she wanted to say was one word. She finally managed to say it. Ursula. Rachel turned away from the bed. She had never been so scared in her life. She could feel her father standing beside her. He had shrugged out out of his wet parka and was holding his wet shoes, bleakly watching the snow fall through the window. It hasn't stopped all day, she said. Doesn't look like it's going to. You can't see a thing out there. She peered out the window, trying to distract herself. All she could see was the whirling white against the darkness. It's like somebody erased everything. She nervously reached out for her father's hand, something she hadn't done for several years. It's like nothing's out there anymore. It's all still there, said Sam. You may not be able to see it, but the world never goes away. Is Aunt Jo going to be all right? I don't know, said her father. I hope so, but you never know. You never know about anybody. For a brief moment, Sam and his daughter, Rachel, stood together to an intimate closeness to which they had both become strangers. If you still remember how to pray, he said, maybe you ought to say a few prayers for your aunt. Rachel jerked her hand away as if what she really needs is a little Catholic mumbo-jumbo. Listen, young lady, I'm warning you. Sam was suddenly very close to losing his temper. If you're so kin on prayers, say them yourself, cried Rachel. I just hope they do you some good, because they won't be doing much good for her. She stormed out of the room. No place to hide. No sketchbook. Wally had forgotten it downstairs, and the haste of his departure. He would have to do without it. Besides, there wasn't enough light to do much drawing. He had his stash, at least. Wrapped in aluminum foil and secreted away in the pocket of his jeans. That would be enough. A couple puffs would calm him down nicely. He had wanted those puffs badly enough to fumble and bump his way through the scary darkness of Gina's house. 
to make his getaway. The electrical outage had been the perfect opportunity. He had fled in reckless haste, expecting the lights of the house to come back on at any moment. He found his way up the stairs to the second floor. After that, he wasn't sure exactly which direction he went. As his eyes became adjusted to the darkness, patches of window light guided him from doorway to doorway. He found his way through a room at the end of the hall, into a large closet. He was just making himself comfortable at the far end of it when he noticed a small door. He bumped the door and it swung open into a very narrow staircase with the tiny window near the top providing just enough light to see the perfect place to get mellow. Wally scrambled up five stairs and made himself comfortable with his back against the wall. The hand rolled joint in his pocket was crunched and bent but still smokable. His lighter flared. He was so busy puffing that he didn't notice what a cloud of smoke he was creating in the tight little staircase. He didn't notice much of anything, since the marijuana combined with all the food he had just eaten was making him very sleepy. He jolted upright, eyes wide, the scream still ringing in his ears. Who had screamed? Wally was afraid to budge. He could hear footsteps running up the staircase. He could hear Gina and his father shouting in the other hall. What had happened? Then more footsteps as other members of his family rushed upstairs. Wally clenched his teeth. He wanted to be left alone. He did not want to be found and humiliated. He was too stoned to hide his feelings. He could feel tears spilling hotly down his cheeks. When he finally looked at his watch, he was shocked to discover how much time had passed. No use pushing his luck. Better get back to the others before his father got any crankier and came looking for him. He scrambled up onto his feet, reaching for the wall to steady himself. Thong. At first, he assumed he had caused the sound himself. It came from very nearby. He must have stepped on a bad board or bumped something. Thong. He flinched. What was that? It seemed to come from inside the walls, as though the walls were hollow and the sound were vibrating through them. Something was wrong with that sound. It had too much of an echo. It was warped, distorted. Or was that just because he was stoned? Wally found himself starting to get scared. Thong. It wasn't his imagination. Something was hitting against the wall. Suddenly, Wally found himself very much regretting that he was high. He had no way to assess what he was hearing. How much of that sound was real? How much was being amplified? Aggravated by the pot. The house was spooky enough without hearing sounds he couldn't explain. Where was it coming from? How close was it? Was he in danger? Then, all at once, he knew. It was his pesty sister, Rachel, teasing him as usual, scaring him with that noise, bothering him when all he wanted was to be left alone. He was alone no longer. Someone was standing at the foot of the stairs right now, looking up at him. It had to be her. Wally, is that you? Rachel continued the rest of the way down the hall. Her dad could drive her crazy. Fortunately, it was a big house. As far as she was concerned, the only compelling activity at the moment was getting as far as humanly possible away from her father. The room at the end of the hall had a door on the far side. It opened into another room. Rachel didn't remember. Maybe it wasn't really a room. It was too small. Maybe it was a huge closet. She heard a muffled sob. It seemed to come from nearby. Then she saw, at the rear of the closet, a tiny door. Wally, is that you? No response. She stepped cautiously closer. All of her anxieties about Nana's house rushed 
to the surface. She reached out and touched the cold doorknob. The door swung inward. The smell practically knocked her over. The narrow passageway reeked of marijuana smoke. She pushed the door wider and stepped in. A cramped, narrow staircase led upward, squeezed between two tight walls. She could detect a shadow slouched halfway up the stairs. Are you out of your mind? challenged Rachel. Do you want Dad to murder you? What do you want? I just wanted to make sure my brother wasn't getting too freaked out in the dark. Well, are you satisfied? said Wally, with a sulky defiance. Was I supposed to feel better after your spooky noises? Close the door and leave me alone. Spooky noises? She quickly closed the door, but only after she first stepped inside, shutting the door behind her to keep the smell from spreading. Through foggy banks of smoke, she could make out enough of her brother's face to see that his cheeks were streaked with tears. You okay? I'm always okay. Wally swiped at his runny nose with the back of his wrist. What's it to you? Just checking, said Rachel, sitting down beside him. She made herself as comfortable as possible, appreciating the privacy of the spot. So, this is where you've been hiding. I'm not hiding, said Wally. He could no longer restrain his curiosity. So what happened out there? All the shouting and running around. Oh. Aunt Jo had a few too many, said Rachel. She fainted, and everybody freaked out. She's in bed now, sleeping it off. She can be a real pain. How's Dad? asked Wally. Is he hungry for my blood? You can't let Dad get to you. That's easy for you to say, said Wally. You're not his son. My whole purpose in life is to disappoint that man. What's that supposed to mean? Figure it out, said Wally. First, he has a daughter. And then, he has another daughter. But finally, he gets a boy. Has Sammy Jr. But there's a problem. His son doesn't want to be a jock like Dad. Both his daughters want to be jocks. Rachel punched him in the shoulder. But his son just wants to draw cartoons, and that is not Big Sam's idea of what a son should be. I'm a failure as a son, a disappointment with a capital D. Come on, buck up, she punched him again. Compared to Dad, most people are failures. I mean, you've got to look at Dad realistically. He isn't just your basic overachiever. He's way, way beyond that. Just think how Uncle Tony must feel. I mean, he's his brother, and Uncle Tony's like a total failure. Both of them realized at the same time that someone was watching them. Something moved in the shadows, pulling at the foot of the staircase. Into the doorway stepped Uncle Tony his shoulders filling the cramped space. He gave a couple of exploratory sniffs. Well, 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 he sniffed again and smiled. Someone's having a party and didn't invite me. What Grandma saw. Gloria Rossi knew only too well, as a grandmother of her family, that if she wanted something done right, she had to do it herself. She'd had enough of this nonsense. Children didn't just disappear in a house. It was a matter of finding them and making them behave. She had worried about her grandchildren long enough. It was time to take the bull by the horns. She had been sitting by Aunt Jo's bedside, but Aunt Jo wouldn't be going anywhere. There were plenty of others to attend to the needs of a half-sozed old woman. Uneasy about the safety of her grandchildren, Gloria couldn't sit still any longer. Her husband knew her too well. Where do you think you're going, said Lou. Those two kids have no reason to be running all over this house making trouble, she said. They've got to learn to behave. With that, 
She strode out the door and halfway down the West Hall. Wally, Rachel, you kids answer me. Nothing. Scowling, Gloria strode back the way she came, circled around the descending staircase, and started down the other hallway. You kids come out this minute. Nothing. Her grandchildren's failure to reply unnerved her. They should have answered immediately. They respected and loved their grandmother. They never failed to obey her. She stared down the dark, silent hallway. Not a rustle. But then she couldn't hear much of anything. Not so much as a murmur from Aunt Jo's room at the end of the other hall. Something was wrong with the acoustics in that house. The darkness of the second floor seemed to suck up every sound into a thick, anxious hush. Without a moment more of hesitation, she headed toward the nearest guest room. Her footsteps crunched loudly across the floorboards. She poked her head through the doorway. Kids, you answer me this minute. It all looked so different now from the long, sunlit afternoons up there helping Gina. She vaguely remembered most of the rooms on the West Hall, back where Aunt Jo was snoring. But during Nana's time, the East Hall had been used mostly for storage. Gloria stopped. This was the East Hall, wasn't it? She recognized the second room she came to, and the third room. She did not remember the door at the end of the upstairs hallway, nor the small room she found on the other side. Her memory was no longer what it used to be. Another turn and Gloria found herself uncertain which direction she had just come from. She returned to the end of the hall, but when she opened the door to leave, she found herself facing a closet. She closed the closet door in confusion and retracted her steps. Her forehead was beaded with sweat. Wally? Rachel? She had an anxious feeling in the pit of her stomach. Enough was enough. It was none of her business. Gloria was ready to stop interfering and return to Aunt Jo's room. Except for one problem. Gloria was lost. How could someone get lost in a house? Is it Alzheimer's? She thought in a panic. Is it finally happening to me too? At the far end of the hall, she found another bedroom, one she'd never seen before. She stopped in bewilderment. She felt dizzy. She was starting to get cold. There was an icy draft coming from somewhere. Her heart began to pound. Getting lost sometimes caused her panic attacks. Then Gloria did panic. Someone, half hidden in the shadows, was watching her from the other end of the hall. Who is that? Whoever it was didn't budge. I see you there, she said sternly. Wally, Rachel, you kids get over here right now. A blurry figure emerged from the shadows. Gloria blinked, trying to bring it in focus. Whoever it was moved very slowly and quietly. She couldn't see the face or enough of the body to tell much of anything, except that it wasn't either of her grandchildren, except that it was closer, steadily closer, slowly moving down the hall, slowly approaching her. Passing an open doorway, the figure waded through a pale stream of moonlight. Gloria recognized the sweater first, then the braided bun of gray hair. She couldn't see the face, but that didn't matter. She was so afraid she couldn't move. The figure approached closer, through the silver half-lit of the hallway. It was the one person Gloria Rossi didn't want to see. Am I going crazy? She thought wildly. She had seen enough of Nana when the old woman was alive. Gloria had spent 40 years of her married life in a polite, cold war with that woman, sharing every holiday with her, picking her up every Sunday, including her in all their family plans. Year after year, she had been locked in a silent battle with Nana, trying to justify her role as the wife of Lou Rossi. 
Nana had refused to let go of her son, Lou, for as long as she was alive. Only death had managed to pry loose her smothering maternal grip. Now that she was finally gone, Gloria wanted her mother-in-law to stay dead. Not for her to be approaching down the hallway. Get away from me, whispered Gloria. Haven't you done enough? Lose mine now. The shadowy figure seemed to know exactly what was in Gloria's heart. The shuddering image of the old woman began to well, a terrible, echoing sound. The well of a grieving mother for her child. Gloria covered her ears. I won't put up with it anymore, she cried. You've taken all you're going to get. He's mine. The old woman seemed to be sobbing the same word over and over, an Italian word that Gloria had never heard before. It sounded like, Ito, Ito. Her tears made the word incomprehensible. It wasn't her words that scared Gloria. It was her hands as Nana reached out for her. Gloria collapsed into a merciful blackness. What have you done with him? Aunt Jo was sound asleep. She was the only one in the house who had achieved a state of peace. The remaining family members, Gina, her father, her stepmother, and her grandpa, had quietly abandoned Aunt Jo to her slumbers and banded together in the living room by the cheerful, sparkling lights of the Christmas tree. Your grandma shouldn't be interfering, said Grandpa. He didn't really mind. He couldn't stop her even if he did. He just wanted to know where she was and that she was safe. Gina was pacing back and forth. Aaron's taking such a long time at the store. Where can Wally be? said Barbara. She looked around and scowled. Where's Uncle Tony? He's still upstairs, said Gina. Oh, fine, said Barbara. So both Wally and Uncle Tony are missing both of them. Am I not supposed to worry? She ignored the dark looks her comment generated. Rachel's upstairs too, said Gina. Are you worried about Rachel? Rachel isn't a boy. That's not fair, said Gina curtly. Barbara turned sharply to face her, caught off guard by her stepdaughter's criticism. It's not a fair world, she snapped. I doubt if you know very much about it. I know enough to trust my uncle, said Gina defiantly. Your problem is you don't know who to trust. My problem? Barbara's cheeks flushed with anger. So you trust your uncle Tony, interrupted Sam. Well, I'm glad someone does. That would do, said Grandpa. He said it with a quiet authority, ending all conversation. Fighting among ourselves isn't going to help anyone. Now, don't anybody leave. Something about this whole night is wrong. It's time I took a hand. I'll be right back. Grandpa, where do you think you're going? Objected Gina. Her voice cracked. She was rapidly becoming so confused with guilt, she could hardly speak. How much longer could she remain quiet about what was happening in that house? How many more family members could she allow to endanger themselves to wander off on their own? Now, you get back here. You have no business. No, 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 said Lou wearily. Gina, honey, you listen to me. I guess I've always had a weird feeling about you moving into this place. I know more about this house than you do. I can't pretend I don't feel it anymore. My mother is still here. Some part of her never left. So now do you see... If she's trapped in this house, she needs her son. I've got a wife in this house who needs her husband. He walked out of the living room toward the stairs. At first, they thought it was Grandpa coming back. Without warning, Uncle Tony appeared instead in the living room doorway. His clothes were in disarray, shirt tail untucked. He looked like he had just been in a fight. Well... Look who's here, said Barbara. She had risen to her feet in anticipation, as had her husband 
and Gina. Hello, everyone, said Uncle Tony. Where is my son, if you don't mind me asking? Barbara flung the question at him like an accusation. Where's Wally? repeated Uncle Tony stupidly. A nervous twitch of his eye convinced her that he knew perfectly well. What have you done with him? Uncle Tony looked guilty. Done? Stop acting like you don't know what I'm talking about, cried Barbara on the edge of tears. You leave Uncle Tony alone, objected Gina forcefully. Stay out of this, Gina, said her father. Your uncle has had everyone in this family confused and worried long enough. Sam Rossi set down his wet shoes by the Christmas tree and faced his brother and his stocking feet. I think it's time my brother and I had a few words with each other. You can chat somewhere else, said Gina, stepping between them. Sam decisively swept her to one side. This is between your uncle and me, Gina, he said grimly. I just want to ask my brother a few questions. Don't you even think about getting unpleasant, she said sternly. Not in this house at Christmas. I refuse to allow it. Watch what you say, young lady, said Sam. I'm still your father. I'm an adult, said Gina, and this is my house, and you are in it. Father and daughter faced each other. I'll tell you what I'm going to do, said Sam quietly. I'm going to go upstairs and get my son. I'm going to ask him exactly what's been going on. If it's what I think, his eyes locked with those of his brother. Then your dear Uncle Tony had better stay far, far away from me, as far as he can get. His face flushed with barely suppressed emotion. Sam walked straight across the room and out the door. His stern, impatient footsteps hammered a determined stagnant up the stairs. Footsteps that echoed through the house. A moment later, his voice rang through the hall above them, and a call that was more like a demand, an angry shout. Wally! Reluctantly. What Uncle Tony did. Barbara glared at Uncle Tony. What have you done with my son? She repeated. She might have said it again if she hadn't seen Wally step out of the hall. If there's one person you don't have to worry about, said Wally, it's Uncle Tony. Wally, exclaimed Barbara, staring at her son in relief. She grabbed him. She clutched him. Where have you been? Wally sighed. He glanced sideways at Uncle Tony and then reluctantly continued. If you must know, I was upstairs searching the bathroom floor in case anything fell out before Uncle Tony took matters into his own hands. He did what? Barbara gasped, unable to believe her ears. Wally, honey, tell me exactly what he did. Uncle Tony caught me smoking. Drugs? cried Barbara. He gave you drugs? No, Mom, said Wally. He took my drugs. He gave me a lecture. A what? A very boring lecture about the value of parents and family. And sort of basic holiday bullshit? But what did he do to you? insisted his mother. He forced me over the toilet. He did what? Her voice rose, breaking. He made me dump the last of my stuff in the toilet bowl. For several stunned moments, no one could say anything. In the toilet bowl? echoed Barbara numbly. She turned to Tony. I thought you were the liberal one. The one who was so gung-ho on legalization. There's a time for everything, qualified Tony. And, well, I know this sounds strange coming from me, but Christmas Eve, that's a time to be together with your family, not hiding in an upstairs closet. Barbara spoke first. Her words rung hollowly in the hushed living room. I owe you an apology, Tony, she said. She turned to her son, concerning him with a single fierce glance. As for you, mister, 
I don't care what your uncle says. If I ever catch you smoking that stuff again. Alright, alright. Do you hear what I'm saying? I hear you. Besides, I already promised Uncle Tony. Barbara had reached her limit. She turned toward Uncle Tony and burst into tears. I'm sorry. I've been awful to you. It's just that I love my kids so much. It's so easy for bad things to happen. I couldn't bear it if anything bad happened to my kids. Before she realized what he was doing, Uncle Tony took her in his arms, cautiously embracing the sister-in-law who had distrusted him for so long. I love your kids too. Not as much as you do, maybe. Nobody loves them as much as their mother, but a lot. So let's both love them, okay? Now I've got to go back upstairs. She's still here. She's trapped here, just like we are. Who are you talking about? Asked Barbara nervously. You're not making sense. I'm talking about Nana, said Tony. Can't you feel her here? She's so unhappy. I don't know what's upset her. We need to find out before things get any worse. No, Uncle Tony, don't, said Gina. I've got to, honey. But it's not safe. This whole house. She wanted to tell him about the running footsteps and red rubber balls, about how people could go to change a fuse and never come back. I won't be long, said her uncle, I promise. I'm going with you, said Gina, and she would have to expect that just as her uncle opened the staircase door, she heard something else from another direction altogether, a noise from downstairs. Was it banging? Was it a voice? Aaron, who else could it be? He was trying to call her. He needed her. He wasn't down there. He had to be. Gina ran toward the basement stairs. The good father. Sam Rossi didn't like being helpless. He could only twiddle his thumbs for so long, and then it was time to step in and take over. His exasperation with waiting for other people to solve his problems betrayed itself in the angry energy surging through his body. He lunged up the stairs. Wally, he called. Wally, come here, right now. No answer. The West Hall was still familiar from childhood. He'd played in those rooms as a boy. He knew the layout of each and hunted quickly through them, closets and all. No sign of him. He shouted his son's name. No answer. What had happened? Once, they were the great all-American family. For years, it seemed like everything would work out perfectly three great kids. Now, all three were headed straight for hell. He heard the creak of a floorboard. Wally? He snorted with expiration. The kid was driving him crazy. He started down the east hall, just in time to see through the open door of the far room, the shadow of someone moving back out of sight. So there he was. Okay, Wally, come on out. Let's not ruin Christmas Eve. I won't be mad. I promise. Wally? Sam approached the open door. The moment he stepped across the threshold, he saw someone slip back into the shadows toward the open door at the back of the room. Wally, he said, I'm trying to be patient. You're going to make me lose my temper. Don't push me, son. I don't understand why you want to make me angry. Sam reached the door. His son was nowhere to be seen. The door opened into a huge closet. No Wally. He almost turned away and then noticed yet another door at the far end of the closet, slightly opened. Another door? It was almost too small to believe it really led anywhere. And yet, at that moment, the door clicked shut. Sam stared and then grinned. All right, mister, one last chance. Come out now and take your chances. Silence. You're pissing me off, Wally. Silence. Sam grabbed the little door and tried to jerk it open. It wouldn't budge. Wally, I'm warning you. 
He rattled it furiously, and doing so, discovered that it opened inward into a narrow staircase. A staircase that reeked of marijuana. That kid. Now Sam was becoming furious. He pushed his way through the entrance. His shoulders bumped against the tight, crowded walls. He came to the top of the stairs, but there was nowhere to go. They seemed to just stop. Why would anyone build a staircase to nowhere? Stairs lead somewhere, muttered Sam. It's a law of nature. They always do. And somewhere up there, his son was blatantly defying him. He searched. He felt along the surface with his fingertips. A slight edge, a fine crack, framed a portion of the upper wall at the dead end of the passage. The stairs did lead somewhere. They led to a somewhere currently blocked by an inserted wooden panel. He managed to get his fingernails into the crack. He clawed at the panel. It moved. After several tries, he succeeded in shoving it to one side. A dark, triangular-shaped emptiness slid open before him. He peered within. It was a third-floor attic, tucked under the roof, musty and stale with disuse. Its walls pressed down in a low, introverted V. At the far end was a small, dusty window, which emitted a shaft of gray light from the snow-white sky. What in the world had he found? From the look of it, a space none of the previous tenants had discovered. He peered into the shadowy depths, trying to detect a hint of movement to reveal the hiding place of his son. Wally? Nothing moved. Sam wasn't satisfied. The kid had been there somewhere. He scrambled up over the edge. He was at once covered in dust. It swirled around him as he got to his feet, squinting to keep it out of his eyes. He brushed himself off. I bet Gina doesn't even know about this, he thought. It must run the length of the whole house. He looked forward to being able to tell his daughter about the unknown feature of her own home. But where was Wally hiding? How far back did it go? He'd been able to see more by the small window, ducking down his head to make his way. He braced himself against the exposed ceiling joists, half crouching as he crossed the attic. Dust surged and eddied around his shoes. A shadow shifting on the wall. He turned around, peering into the darkness. Someone was silhouetted in the entrance of the attic, standing very, very still. Clever. How did Wally get behind him? Did I find your little hiding place, said Sam. Not bad. Okay, Wally. Time to straighten up. Silence. Are you pouting? Said Sam. His irritated bristling. Or just stoned. Silence. Anger rippled through Sam. He forced himself to remain still. To remain calm. This was no time for emotion. Are you determined to ruin Christmas Eve? Silence. It suddenly occurred to Sam, on the edge of blowing his cool completely, that the defiant figure in the shadows of the attic might not be the child he assumed. Rachel? Why that little... And of course, she would enjoy testing her father's patience to the very limit. Rachel, if that's you, said Sam, if you have been standing there making fun of your father... You're playing with fire. I mean it. Silence. Answer me this minute. Silence. Sam lost it. Kids could be so selfish, so ungrateful, so infuriating. Someone had to teach them a lesson. He took one angry stride forward. That was all the further he got. Then the figure stepped out of the shadows enough for him to see that it wasn't Rachel or Wally. He tried to scream. The good daughter. Did she hear something or not? Rachel wasn't sure about anything anymore, and that's what she hated most. Had she gotten high from breathing all her brother's marijuana smoke? She hoped the smell wasn't clinging to her clothes. Was she starting to hear things now? She didn't know what to think. All she knew was that she hated it here 
at Nina's house. She wished that Christmas was over. After Uncle Tony flushed her brother's stash down the toilet and that whole dramatic scene, which she had thoroughly enjoyed, Rachel had locked herself into the upstairs bathroom at last. You knew where you were in a bathroom. A bathroom was reality. A bathroom was safe. Then she remembered that it was here, in that very bathroom, that Aunt Jo had seen whatever Aunt Jo had seen. Which, of course, ruined everything. How can you relax when you're listening to every creak and scratch? It could have been just the wind outside, the snowstorm shrieking against the house, whistling through every crack. Her ears were playing tricks on her. She was freaking out. Then the wind died down. The snowstorm hushed, and she heard it again from somewhere upstairs. Oh my god, thought Rachel bleakly. Somebody's screaming. She was so scared she could hardly move. Does nobody else hear it? Why doesn't somebody do something? Where's dad when you need him? She had been sitting on the toilet seat, staring down into the reassuring patterns of the black and white floor tiles. Now she rose, walked nervously to the door, and forced herself to touch the cold doorknob. Another muted scream, but this time with a terrible difference. This time, she recognized the urgent voice that was shouting in the walls. It was the voice of her father. In all her life, she had never heard him sound so needy, so vulnerable. That was all it took. She didn't hesitate for a moment longer. She didn't stop to think about danger. She flung open the bathroom door, rushed out into the hall, and looked about in all directions, listening for the slightest sound or clue. There it was again, her father's voice. It seemed to come from the end of the hall, from the last guest room. She bolted through the open door, across the floorboards, through the huge closet, through the small door at the end, and into the narrow staircase. It reeked from her brother's secret puffing, up the stairs. But something was different now. The stairs didn't abruptly stop. They opened into a big, dark emptiness. Not quite empty. Someone was cowering in the far corner. Dad? She swung herself easily, confidently up into the attic. It was filthy, like some kind of tomb. There he was, doubled over on the floor, making a strange choking sound. She worked her way closer, through the uncertain footing. She realized he was crying. She didn't think twice. She clutched him in her arms. She held her father. What happened, Dad? Tell me. Tell me. What? He mumbled something. I can't understand you. Talk slower. What happened? I don't know what happened. That was all Sam Rossi could say. I don't know what I saw. I don't know what I believe about anything. I know one thing. I know I love you, Rachel. I love you so much. Wife and mother. Gloria? Lou was halfway down the other hall before he glimpsed his wife through an open doorway, stretched out on the floor. Something in his chest lurched so violently at the sight that he was sure his 70-plus heart was calling it quits. That didn't slow him down from rushing to her side. Gloria? She opened her eyes. When she recognized his face bending over, she wrapped her arms around his neck. It was her, Lou. She spoke weakly, but the words were perfectly clear. I saw her. Your mother. She's here. He held his wife in his arms. Take it easy. I know. I know. I was afraid of that. I don't think she can leave. He gently stroked his wife's hair. He held her. He heard Sam calling his kids. He heard passing footsteps in the hall. None of that mattered. As long as Gloria was alright, safe in his arms, the situation was under control. Neither of them noticed the figure in the doorway. 
They didn't look up until they heard Tony sigh with relief. Mom? Dad? He exclaimed. So it's just you in here. I heard something, and I thought, well, I was afraid that he would have finished, but he began to realize what he was seeing in front of him. Mom, are you alright? It's okay, said Lou. She's fine. But you're both on the floor. He was still trying to calm Tony down when his other son appeared, led by his daughter Rachel, both covered and grim. Sam's face was filthy and streaked with tears, but his arms was around Rachel's shoulders. Grandma, are you okay? cried Rachel, dropping to her knees beside her grandparents. Footsteps echoed up the staircase from the first floor and down the second floor hallway toward them. The sounds became Barbara and Wally. Grandma, gasped Wally, stopping abruptly in his tracks. Before Barbara could cry out at the sigh of Gloria on the floor, Lou held up a reassuring hand. She's fine, said Lou. Really, no need to worry. Even your grandma gets winded once in a while. She's just had a little too much excitement for one night. So have we all, said Barbara. She took a second look at her husband and daughter. Both were smeared with filth, holding hands. Not until then did Barbara realize that she had, for some time now, been clutching the hand of Wally. She looked at Sam. Sam looked at her. They both realized at the same time who was missing. Where's Gina? Be sure to follow us on Facebook or on YouTube at The Porter Gals or on Instagram at the underscore poltergals. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast or at roguemedianetwork.com. You've been listening to The Poltergals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast. 